technology has some really important roles to play in business and society overall. Sure, there are loads of commercial gains to be had in the successful implementation of technology, whether it's to use scalable systems, improve the efficiency and drive down costs, but there's probably an even more important role that technology plays, and that's the role of advancing humanity. So how do we shift more people to this mindset and put all these really exciting technology advancements to something that will have a lasting impact for many generations? Well, two humans who are hell-bent on uncovering all the good that technology can do in this world is Gabe Mazzano from Palo Alto Networks and Ben Sullivan from NextGen Group. And they're both the hosts of the podcast Dark Mode. And in this episode, we're going to talk about lots of things, but in particular, cybersecurity and how, if viewed through an optimistic lens, brings the potential for organizations and institutions to embrace good cybersecurity practices to, in the end, provide reassurance and secure communities. So collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, a podcast and membership community about technology in healthcare. Here's your host, Peter Birch. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com survey. With me today is Ben Sullivan and Gabe Mazzano. Gabe's a business professional working in cybersecurity for Palo Alto Networks, a global leader in cybersecurity. And Ben Sullivan is the technical director of cybersecurity at NextGen Group. They're both the host of the Dark Mode podcast, where they're talking about technology, cybersecurity, and universal mega trends shaping the future of humanity. Gabe and Ben, how are you? Pete, I'm great. Thanks so much for having us on the Talking Health Tech podcast. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Good to have you on the show. Thanks for joining for this conversation. Of course, for those that are keeping score and are regular listeners of podcasts, they can flick over and listen to the conversation that we just had on your podcast as well. So if they're loving what they hear in this chat, they get to hear it from the other side too. So we'll put the podcast in the show notes of this episode. But right now we've got you on the Talking Health Tech podcast. And I want to learn a bit more about you and your backgrounds because I'm going to say it's not the typical path. So let me start with Ben and then we'll go with Gabe. Yeah, thanks, Pete. I can't follow Gabe's introduction, so I'm glad you threw me out first. (laughs) So Ben Sullivan, as Pete mentioned, my day-to-day role is Technical Director of Cybersecurity and Data Resilience at NextGen Group. It's my role to look after the technical strategy and the delivery of the vendors that we look after, which are global leaders in the industry, to a myriad of companies, a myriad of industries, with the greater purpose being to secure everything. And then my background, I've been in that role for just over three years now. I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Gabe there in that uh, business as well. 
Prior to that, I spent 10 years in the military, nine of them in the special forces, where I learned after a few years that running with the commandos with the heavy packs on our backs and, and kicking in doors wasn't necessarily great for the body. So I uh, decided to pivot into a known risk, which was cybersecurity and also uh, electromagnetic deception. So helping prevent things like improvised explosive devices that had remote control triggers, drones, and all sorts of the wrong side of the cyber spectrum uh, from impacting our soldiers' lives, which would then require the help of some of your listeners. Unreal. Wow. I'm nervous, though, to hear Gabe's version if you said that you can't follow hers because... (laughs) (laughs) This is a thing, Pete. Ben's got an amazing background. He doesn't doesn't like talking about himself too much, whereas said at the start... Yeah, yeah. Let's see how you go. So I'll throw back to the origin story. So I have a very, I think you called it a bizarre background, Pete, but a unique background. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in its simplest form, I served seven years full-time army as a combat engineering officer, and that effect on a battle space is basically building things or blowing them up. I was fortunate enough as well to become the first female diver in the Australian Defence Force, and that's basically building things and blowing things up but just underwater, so it was really fun. I played four years of professional soccer as well, And now I'm cutting the craft in technology and working as a cybersecurity professional for Palo Alto Networks. See, I mentioned this before too, like sometimes people paint this story about how this role led me to this role and then this one led me to that. But those are three very big circles that kind of, I I don't see much in the middle of that diagram, I was going to say. So uh, that's, uh, wow, that'll bring some interesting perspective, no doubt, and flavors to this conversation too. So tell us a bit about the stuff you're doing. It both sounds like you're in that world of cybersecurity. Is that right? Palo Alto and NextGen. Talk to me about, firstly, about the organizations you're working with. Yeah, for sure. I'll jump in quickly because Gabe's got a global role. Mine sits in APAC and we're a distribution services business that look after and represent a whole bunch of vendors from across the globe, bring them in. We also have a number of services that sit underneath that to assist the adoption of new technologies that are looking to impact the region by bringing their technologies locally. So that's the business I work for, 10-year-old business, but on a growth trajectory that is unparalleled in the industry as well. Amazing. What am I doing? <laughs> Hanging out. Loving life at Palo. So good. <laughs> well, I fundamentally have the pleasure of helping business partners build businesses around the Palo Alto technology. So it's great. I think taking a national security lens from the military and translating that into the corporate world in a cybersecurity lens now is something that's really fascinating to me. And it was only really born out of a curiosity where I really wanted to learn more about business and tech. And so I thought the best way to do that is just to dive headfirst into the industry. I'm a very experiential learner. So I was like, I'll just go craft myself as a practitioner. And so transitioned out of the army where Ben and I worked together to build a business around cybersecurity at NextGen Group. And I've only just transitioned into Palo in the last few months. So being a channel business manager there, ecosystems orchestrator, get to talk about all mega trends and love giving keynotes around cybersecurity and helping business partners to solve client needs and get to do that on the local turf here in Sydney, Australia and around the region. So it's been a lot of fun. Super cool. I'm keen to learn a bit more around that whole space, which led you to then do the dark mode podcast as well. But just back to the organizations you're at too, in terms of, I guess, the portfolio of industries and stuff that you're doing, is there much in the healthcare space that you touch in? Either of you? So we'll start with Ben firstly. 
Yeah, yeah. It's a massive industry and a big focus for the technology adoption, especially in the cybersecurity space. Unfortunately, we saw some of the ramifications of the wrong side of cyber in the healthcare industry over the last few years. I want to say over the last sort of 36 months. And with that has put a spotlight on the assistance required from our industry to help protect not just the data that exists, but the people and processes that exist underneath the data and everyday usage of that customer impact. Yeah, for us as well. I mean, locally, we've got some of the biggest healthcare customers using Palo Alto. And then even looking at things like IoT security and device security throughout the industry is also really pertinent and topical at the moment. So, yeah, we're fundamentally, as technologists, looking at how technology can be applied in that application to securing communities and keeping people safe and keeping patients safe and, you know, helping to really revolutionize that next level of tech application for the healthcare industry. But starts, from my perspective anyways, you know, in securing it, securing data and apps and users from anywhere. So, Absolutely. Big applications, probably a lot of translatable lessons as well in terms of how security is used in healthcare. But at the end of the day, we all want to feel safe in the digital economy. And that's really the mission. And that kind of ties in nicely with what I know about what you're doing with dark mode as well around some of those conversations you have with some of those key players around the role that technology does play in serving humanity. Talk to me a bit more about dark mode in the podcast. I'll take the mic here for sure. (laughs) I think Ben and I spoke about launching a podcast for two years and at least totally crunch time came two months ago. I said, we're doing it. We just need to get started as a recovering perfectionist. It was like, we got to go. Let's just get it up and going. And now actually just hit a really positive inflection point only over the last week, which was in getting a really good groove of post-production, episode recordings, good time management getting really narrow in terms of content and reaching the audience and importantly, providing a lot of value to the audience. And since launching first week, we hit top seven in the Australian tech charts, which is really cool. Lots of good hype, got a nice screenshot of number seven there. We're getting a thousand cross-platform listeners pretty consistently. And there was another stat there that escapes me at the moment, but some really cool milestones in terms of how far we've come in the first two months. And I love it. I love sharing perspectives. I love having conversations with like-minded people. Pete, you know, our introduction into each other, you reached out early days and really appreciate that because it's awesome to come on the Talking Health Tech podcast and actually bring value to your community and reach a wider audience too because from my perspective, and Ben and I spoke about this on a really early episode of Dark Mode, it's just so important to bring awareness around cybersecurity and speak about it in an optimistic lens and take away the fear, uncertainty and doubt now. And it's almost a bit of a play on words for us because it's not so much about the dark part of cyber, it's going to be really seen as an enabler and something not to shy away from. And if we can all tell stories and build communities around the fact that this won't go away, the proliferation of threats won't go away. And, you know, even I give a personal story when I deliver public keynotes around having a puppy scam myself over Christmas time, where I was subject to a bit of money sort of exploitation around trying to buy a new puppy in the family and all this sort of thing. So it can happen to anyone. And I think the more we can build stories and build those examples and talk about it and not shy away from it. it's going to actually help us evangelize being more secure, particularly when it comes to just the way the digital world works now and hyper-connectivity and the rest. So Ben and I have really brought that all together. We're having amazing guests join us. There's so many people that I cross paths with day to day, even in my day job, that you know really have so many lovely things to say about some of the things we speak about, all the things we speak about. And so just feeling really energized around bringing this conversation to the forefront now. Absolutely. And I think about my own experiences with trying to raise awareness around cybersecurity, specifically in healthcare. And like you pointed out, 
podcasts are great for building awareness. And that's the main reason why we know from listener surveys and everything around the Talking Health Tech podcast, people listen because they want to know about, become more aware about what's happening within the industry, particularly in Australia when it comes to technology and healthcare. Now for cybersecurity, we're putting together a panel discussion for one of our summits. We do a quarterly summit for our members. And I've got to say, putting together a panel session for cybersecurity, it was the hardest because it was a lot of people requested a session on cybersecurity and healthcare, but no one wanted to talk on it. In the end, we got some great speakers and not to say that the speakers that we got were the last, by far, they were fantastic speakers. You should definitely check out that session on the website, but it was a tough one to fill in. And I got that sense that it's a topic that people are concerned about, but there's a lot of uncertainty around what to do about it. That's the vibe that I get. Do you get the same kind of thing on your side? Yeah, there's certainly a stigma associated, Pete. And we talk about it in a couple of episodes and the stigma associated is exactly that. And it needs to be shifted. There's a personal impact to security. There's also a business impact to security. And at the moment, they're not tied together. The stigma exists on both sides of that lens. Um, so people are afraid to talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it from a personal perspective. And then businesses are certainly they're as keen or eager to not talk about it from their perspective as well. But Gabe and I are both very passionate about opening up the dialogue for personal implications of the wrong side of cybersecurity. In that, Gabe talks about it in her keynotes. I talk about my personal experiences as well, having Netflix accounts hacked and things like that. Unfortunately, they hacked the wrong guy. I was able to get them back. But in terms of personal experiences, it happens to everybody. Everyone has a story of a cyber implication, whether that's a puppy scam, whether that's a Netflix account, whether that's an email compromise or simply downloading something as a virus. Everybody that listens to this podcast has some story to tell. It's not even a second degree of separation, but we are still so fixated on that being an inner problem and not projecting that so that people learn and understand how and why and being comfortable to talk about that at all levels of the engagement. So that to me is potentially why it was hard to fill that panel is because people are still screwed down by the stigma that's associated to cybersecurity. And again, Gabe and I are both very passionate about bringing that to the forefront and saying it's okay to talk about it because that's how people learn. Yeah, from my perspective as well, Pete, and potentially this is a bit of a call to action here for your audience, but we're looking for people that want to speak about cybersecurity. Come and join us on dark mode, you know, come and follow us. Let us know who you find really insightful, whether it's a CIO of a large healthcare organization or size or anything like that, because the more that we can amplify the message, I think the better. I totally hear you on that one. And I think that's really important. I would encourage people to do that as well. And all the links for the dark mode podcast and everything you do will be in the show notes for this episode for people to do that. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help. Yes, you to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. 
and to say thanks for your input. Everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. Now, when it comes to healthcare, there's that really nice tie-in with that points that you were raising before around the role that technology, good cybersecurity has in, you know, having that open dialogue, improving just humanity generally, as opposed to creating, I guess, this negative connotation and this fear around it. That ties in nicely with healthcare, I think. And there's a lot of good opportunity for us to kind of dive into that in a bit more detail. Given your work with a lot of the CIOs and healthcare organizations, I'm interested from your side to hear What are some examples of some of those important elements that come up in your discussions with healthcare providers or those CIOs? What's front of mind for them and some of the big issues right now in healthcare when it comes to cybersecurity? Yeah, so for me, everyone has the same viewpoint on this in the industry is user experience. It all leads back to user experience. We need to have that front of mind so that there's not, you know, all your listeners that daily log into the systems to be able to conduct their job. We need to make that more friendly so that there's not a significant roadblock or a perceived roadblock in front of them until they can get to do the things that they need to do. So with that, the CIOs, the CISOs and CSOs that are responsible for these technologies and the implications of are talking to the user experience and how they can provide a betterment through technology to provide a safer avenue for them to do their work, whilst at the same time leveraging things like artificial intelligence, machine learning and the likes to be able to fast track some of the things that they're currently doing, but in a more safe environment or a safe digital environment as well. Interesting you raise user experience there, because, you know, when I think of ways to improve cybersecurity, I just think of ways to make it harder for me to log in. Like it's like, that isn't yeah. that like usually what happens? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely right. And I use the analogy, Pete, that cybersecurity experts, we need to pull back from talking about the nuns and ones as it's associated to or attributed to. I tell the analogy that the way we explain it to our users is like telling someone in a car why they need to slow down for the speed bump because around the corner there's a zebra crossing at a school that they don't know about, Mm. right? So we need to explain to our users why these technologies are in front of them if there is a significant impact to what their daily usage of that technology is. Without the knowledge behind it, it just looks like something that there's a laggard in front of them that they're trying to overcome. From my perspective, Pete, in terms of like top examples and use cases at the moment, there's a few things and we spoke about it on the Dark Mode podcast just earlier, but talking about securing data, looking at how technology in general can transform patient centricity and that health outcome for the population. And I think as new systems emerge, as new processes and logics come about and even throwing AI and ML in the mix there and at all at different maturity curves as well. At the center of that is the data and it's about securing the data and securing the systems. There's probably another element as well in terms of privacy and security efficacy around that, managing risks. Another really big one at the moment and again, a big theme from our conversation, Pete, around telehealth. There might be hybrid or remote or distributed workforces looking at health delivery into rural and remote communities. How do you secure that data, that IP those services from different locations and the like. I mean, there's a whole heap of them in there as well. But I think at the end of the day, it's about every organization has different tech maturity or different outcomes and goals or geographies or populations, different types of service models. And at the end of the day, if you need to log into something or access systems, you want that to be secure. You want the data to be secure, the devices to be secure. And that all comes in terms of the holistic cybersecurity posture in managing risk, privacy, and better healthcare outcomes for the industry, really, and for the population. Totally. They're all really important points, too. And within healthcare, like you said, 
touching on data specifically, all of the data that's being created from, you know, that's needed to fuel artificial intelligence, machine learning, that's powering a lot of either efficiency gains behind the scenes or informing clinical decision support tools or in other bits and pieces from a clinical side, all that data needs to be maintained securely and there's a big responsibility there. So I feel like that drives a lot of the concerns or what would keep a CIO up at night, at least in a hospital setting, and sometimes would create that or be an element that contributes towards the lack of adoption of emerging technologies is that concern or distrust around some of the tools or technologies. And I think that what does give a lot of decision makers and clinicians and anyone trust with technology is the security side. So I can see why that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to mention in there as well, even things like personally identifiable information and patient records. You know, we don't want the FUD example of data being leaked or breached and lo and behold, it turns up on the dark web and all those sort of horror stories. And I think a big emerging trend at the moment is even in securing things like IoT devices and, you know, delivering those sort of more hardware-centered type security outcomes for those CISOs or CIOs and big healthcare companies. So there's a lot of really nice examples there. But for me, it also talks to bigger macro trends around technology and improving outcomes for people. And probably even back to what you alluded to at the start, which is using technology to improve humanity and the human condition. And I think all of this is really part of it. Yeah. You know what I'm fascinated in is I've heard quite a few examples of, you know, healthcare data being usually what happens is I'm generalizing here, but a receptionist will click the wrong link and then somehow information at a clinic will be compromised. But from your side, does it actually happen? Like, so those examples where, you know, remote patient monitoring tools potentially could be hacked. And we've all seen the science fiction kind of stories where, you know, all these devices can be controlled and then the world freaking is set on fire. (laughs) Are there real examples out there where this kind of stuff is happening in healthcare or other industries where there's legitimately people trying to take advantage of these technologies that will have big implications if not managed correctly? I only make a joke there because I don't think it's that far sci-fi. I actually really think it's far more simpler than what a lot of people think. You actually don't need the most sophisticated threat actor or motivation or technologies to breach or compromise a system. It can be far simpler than that. And what you spoke about there, Pete, is in business email compromise. Very simple, malicious link is sent to the receptionist. We hear that a lot of the time people are the weakest link, but it's not really necessarily the case because we're all pretty busy. There's a lot going on. There's outcomes, you know, so it's pretty easy to click on a link and accidentally, thankfully, you can have technologies to safeguard against that, even if the link is clicked and all the rest. But I always like to think, let's simplify it and understand it so that it doesn't get scary and overwhelming because by simplifying it is easier to be better protected. Pete, there's a few things in there as well. Business email compromise that Gabe mentioned is the number one threat vector for businesses across the globe. And trillions of dollars get lost every year through business email compromise. I learned a stat the other day that due to breaches, we're losing 22 and a half million records every day. Gee. So we've been recording for 20 minutes now. We've already lost hundreds of thousands of records across the globe. And that's just a crazy statistic. And I'm comfortable in saying that 90% of them come from simple clicking through socially engineered messages. So Mm. business email compromise is number one. The second one and the drive to remote work, which has been phenomenal because I've been able to move my family to the Gold Coast and uh, still can do what I do daily, right? So it's fantastic that we've got the tools and the capabilities in place to do that. And I know telehealth is a huge thing in your industry. But with that, we've now got access to corporate data on our mobile devices. 
So, you know, you think at home right now, you know, I'm talking here, I'm on my work laptop, but I've also got my phone here with the emails that are being generated for work. So there's another risk. And with that have been introduced is a term called smishing, SMS phishing. So phishing is the product of business email compromise. You click the link and then you get breached that way. Now there's SMS phishing, which is sending you a text and we're all part of it. We all get texts every day about, and for healthcare to relate it back is, you know, you need to get a COVID test. You've been in contact with a Omicron variant patient. Click the link, fill out the form. That form's just been captured by someone that just wants your data, wants your links. So then they've got access to your mobile device. So there's a whole bunch of tools that the wrong side of cyber use to take the data there. So there's a couple of things that we can offer up to your community that will can be impacted today, can be impacted in the next minute of what they can do to protect themselves and protect their organizations. Because it's not just about the organizational culture, it's also about your personal culture with your personal brand at home and then teaching our kids and the next generation of how to properly touch data and be digital connoisseurs. So one for me is whenever you get an email is to click on the sender, have a look at the email address. That's the number one giveaway for business email compromise or phishing is the address that it's sent from. You know, it might be gabe.marzano at gmail.com, which you're expecting the email from, but I can create an email address that is gabe.marzana instead of o at the end at gmail.com. So you look at it quickly and your brain, the frontal cortex, your brain reads that and instinctively thinks that that's spelled correctly. I need to respond on that link and fill out whatever Gabe asked me to fill out because she's a trustworthy person. So that's the first thing that they can look at is click on that email. And I'll pause there if there's anything you want to jump in with. But Yeah, no, look, it's something that, like you say, we're always asked for information all the time, right? And sometimes there's the very obvious email that it's spelt incorrectly and the language is poor and it's come from a random thing. It can read as if it's from that email, but then you actually look at the address and it's some completely different thing. So yeah, when you're looking at it from the outside, you're like, how could you make that mistake? But I think everyone's been in that situation where you've got 100 things to do. So you just do the thing that's in front of you. And the social engineers that sit behind those emails play on time. So they ask you for urgent action. And so therefore, your brain says, I need to respond ASAP. I'm going to remove all known trustworthiness of what I need to do. Click on the email or there's a link. Just click on it because they've asked me to action it urgently. Gabe, I saw you were going to launch into something there. Oh, no, I was just going to make a comment about there's like a public announcement of myself wearing like a don't click on shit hoodie. (laughs) Pete, we could do a little collab and we'll do like a dark mode X talking health tech swag launch. I'm going to send you the link now. Don't click on it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to double check it. We'll offer that up for uh, some customized swag to our joint audiences. That's a good campaign. Yeah. Some practical tips as well. That'd be love it. I could see many a uh, clinical coder or a receptionist in a hospital wearing that hoodie and doing it with pride. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Don't click on shit. (laughs) 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 I'll go down well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any other hot tips or actionable things that people can take away from this chat to be more safe? Yeah, so for me, just quickly, I'll go one more, Gabe, then over to you because you've got a cooler one, no doubt. But for me, it's about understanding the process of the email. Is it in context? If it's not in context, identify where it's come from, what the context is behind it. You know, if they've asked you to move to a different platform, asked you to click through something, find the context behind it. Don't click on shit's a great statement. Don't be quick to click is even cooler in terms of a business response is take the time. It's okay to be 30 seconds later on an email because in the end, if you are that person that clicked on the wrong link, then unfortunately, the psychosocial impacts extend far beyond just your implication of clicking on that link. 
Well, the best meme is actually of that meme online where it's like past the annual cybersecurity yeah. training about not clicking on links, but lo and behold, I don't even check emails. So yeah. maybe it's better just don't even check emails. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people I'm sure would resonate this, but you know, on the old phone these days, you're just getting smashed with these random text messages from DHL. And it's like, you know, probably very likely you're waiting for that iconic shipment or your new meals every week or whatever the case is. Thankfully, I'll tell you a personal story about my household, live with my partner and her younger sister. And because I speak about cyber and and just like bringing awareness to those text messages or the smishings and all the rest, probably not that advanced, keep it simple for them. They've started to actually come to me and being like, this link actually looks very legitimate because I am waiting for something from Iconic. And so it's like, okay, let me take a look at it. Looks pretty good. But how about you, instead of clicking the link on the text message, just go and log on through a browser to your iconic order and just see where the status is. That's probably the best thing to do. And, you know, it is really annoying to just be smashed with some of those DHL text messages and the like, but look to block the sender, look to report it to the ACSC, the Australian Cybersecurity Centre, and just divert over to another mechanism to go and check that information. I've learned that I've learned to do that one a lot in terms of I get a notification from the bank or whatever it is. I'm like, good, okay, I'll go now off this platform and then log into that thing and then action whatever that is there. And then that, I think doing that is usually the best way. Although that sounds great in principle and no doubt one day I'm going to accidentally, because I'm pressed for time, take the wrong thing. So in the event that someone does go down that path and then realize they've done the wrong thing, is there anything that you can do once it's there? Like, what should you do? Whether it's it's usually in an employment setting, but sometimes it's on your own side. Is all hope lost? Do you hide? Just roll on the ground. What, roll yeah. on the ground <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that's yeah. the, uh, the approach. We'll ask Mr. Technologist himself. What do you reckon, Ben? Yes, just get a big barrel and burn everything. That's probably the response <laughs> I give. No, but it's not. It's not at all, right? You can click on a link. That's fine. There are techniques that you use to get access, but realistically, these are people that are just after financial, they're financially motivated. So they want further than just a click. So if you do click on something, that's totally fine. It's okay. You know, we're all humans. We're all, we learn through mistakes and that's okay. And the real cybersecurity leaders understand the human centric approach to cybersecurity. So it's okay to click on things. And it is okay if you do that, as long as you identify that you have done something like that and you can report it as quickly as possible. Yeah. The power is in time. That's the only quantifiable metric in cybersecurity that we can do to respond. And the quicker we understand that something's happened, the quicker we can put provisions in place to identify where, how, why, and what. So that would be my advice is if it does, that's fine. Just tell someone about it. Each organization will have their own policies to be able to get done who they report to, but just let someone know it's okay. These things happen. You know, Gabe texted me about the puppy scam. I was like, it's okay. I can't do anything about it, but it's okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> I'd got her a barrel and sent her some petrol and said, throw it in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I think as well, not just for employees about feeling like it's okay to do that, but I think from a management point of view as well, like not laying blame, but just actioning and, and solving the actual problem. I think a lot of people are in responsible roles where their job is to then ensure that you're creating a safe environment where people feel like it's okay to report these things in the event that something goes wrong and not feel like they'll be reprimanded for doing the wrong thing in inverted commas. Absolutely. Yeah. And thankfully we've got very prominent thought leaders such as Brene Brown at the moment pioneering things like psychological safety. It absolutely applies in a technological sense. And if anything, in a business setting, it's really important to even identify those cybersecurity champions or just the mechanism to forward the email to be checked or whatever the case is. So even just setting those two simple mechanisms up internal to an organization 
will prove spades in, in the long run. I feel like some of this conversation around raising awareness, building this safety culture around sharing what's going on and being open and transparent, this certainly does tie to points before that we were talking about in terms of all the good that cybersecurity can bring and trying to look through a different lens when it comes to the topic of cybersecurity. Is that the future, do you think? Is that how we you know, have some really meaningful change when it comes to this space is looking, taking a more proactive and positive view towards some of these things as opposed to just constantly fearing these nefarious actors that are out there to steal our data in this cold evil world? Yeah, I believe so. I'm a mindless optimist though, and I appreciate not everyone's going to get on board the optimistic lens with cybersecurity. That'll be a cultural change. There'll be certain people that agree will be impartial and everything in between. And that's okay. As long as we're continuing to build awareness and we actually are looking at technologies to improve and advance humanity. I definitely think that we're maturing a lot, even in this local domain and this region around cybersecurity. We're typically seen as a bit of laggards in terms of where the pace of the rest of the world is at. But even though it's still nascent for us here, we're definitely coming in stride at the moment. And you can see that in maturities and even advancements in things like legislation. We're looking to always improve laws and governance and privacy measures. And even in the last two years, and I was telling the story just the other day with Ben, when Ben and I started to work together with our Aussie skills, we took to the internet and was just like, okay, where are the frameworks? What's happening in government? What is the Australian Cybersecurity Centre doing around a national plan and roadmap for cyber? It wasn't really there. There was a few motherhood statements and no disrespect, but outlining the plan for the plan, but they hadn't actually been really in, in place yet or enforced or agreed upon. This was only really three years ago. If you fast forward to today, we have absolutely hit the strides in terms of where we're coming at. And you can even see that in the Digital Privacy Commissioner you can see that in the fact that we've just appointed a leader for cybersecurity in government, which is all really interesting and huge steps forward for us in terms of having a better, well-equipped conversation around cyber and better measures being enforced and even bigger implications and reprimand for things that are for people that are doing the wrong thing. If we think about even the younger generation, Gen Zs and the millennials of the world and all the rest, they're growing up very digitally savvy, digital natives. And so they're very equipped to be technologists from a very early age. The key is for people to choose to do the right thing. And that comes down to an ethical and moral conversation. And that's going to be guided by the rest of the community. And it's got to be understood by everybody to actually make those better informed decisions to choose to do the right thing. And by the way, I'd just like to leave the audience with this. If you are in the younger population or if you are digitally savvy, no matter what your age is, the cybersecurity industry has a critical skill shortage at the moment. There's like 3.5 million jobs to be filled globally. We're feeling that in the local market. As a previous hiring manager, it was so difficult for me to find good practitioners, whether they were in a technology role or a sales role or a management role or an operational role. There are so many great careers in cybersecurity and it pays amazing. So come to the good side, come and learn security, jump ship from army into cyber, jump ship <laughs> from retail into tech, do it yeah. now because the yeah. time is now and you can learn some of the best hackers, so to speak, are the people that, are, that grew up being curious and learning through YouTube and actually applying those skills and testing and adjusting. So I implore everyone to take a look, have that conversation, lean and get curious and come and work in the industry. It's awesome. It's very fascinating and there's a lot of good stuff that we can do to protect our communities. 
Amazing. Well, as long as they don't leave from healthcare, though, because we've got our own challenges. <laughs> we can work together, Pete. That's right. <laughs> Maybe there's this nice crossover. Collaboration there. is everything. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's super cool. And look, so looking forward, then looking into the future, what excites you about this space, whether it's in the space of cybersecurity generally, or also some of the cool things that you're planning to do with the podcast as well? What can we look forward to seeing from you guys over the next couple of months and beyond? From a technology perspective, the technology that's coming out now is is all about automation. It's all about driving the end user's adoption of technology and making life easier for said person or consumer through a security by design platform. So that excites me because we've gone from the traditional fear-mongering approach of everybody, let's, let's yell out the doors that the vampires are coming and they're in the form of a malware. It's now, hey, guys, open the windows. Yeah, there's a few out there. We know they're out there and we can see them through technology, but how can we circumnavigate that path and get to where we need to go in a safe manner? So there's optimism being introduced into secure by design platforms and that's impacting healthcare industry you know, every single day. So that excites me from a technology perspective. I was fortunate enough to be at a big conference speaking to the world leaders of these technologies and that was one of my concerns is, now, how are we trying to impact the end user rather than fearmonger? And the responses I got were pretty positive. So that excites me about the industry. And to Gabe's point too, what excites me about our industry is that there's so many different lenses that are coming into cybersecurity. So we're getting different practitioners, we're getting different leaders that have a different concept or a view. So from my side for the Dark Mode podcast, we're interviewing these people and speaking with these people that have a humanitarian lens who have the greater good at mind and the protect everything uh, for a safer outcome. And for me, it's about the next generation. I just want to make sure that I impact the next generation. I've got two young children and there's so much out there that is impacting them from that generation on a mental health perspective that I've got a personal passion project. And I know Gabe's on board too, is to try and impact that next generation through technology. So that's my take on it. Love it. Yeah. Dark mode for me is like a whole thing. You know, we're having amazing conversations, but it's one part of the puzzle. And Pete, you know this better than anyone, right? It's building a community first and foremost and providing value and different lenses and perspectives because we're really good as humans in sharing stories. It's just part of our DNA. But, you know, we're doing speaking, we're launching programs, we're building membership bases, we're getting amazing people coming a part of the mission to spread more awareness and give insights and look at trends around technology, cyber, and those big universal impacts to the future of humanity. I think Ben and I have a pretty strong commonality in being quite futuristic. And for me, technology is ubiquitous and it's the undertone to where we're going. But even things like looking at how we can improve our thinking, there's a whole neuroplasticity lens there. There's a lot of BMI, machine interfaces, technologies arising. You know, even in the healthcare sector, there's amazing things happening to help people with disabilities and like all sorts of things, right? So I think it really, we're at a really interesting point in history. And if you zoom out as far as you possibly can, get curious about what has happened in the past and where we are right now, this is like a historical defining moment, this generation we're all living in, and it'll be a really defining time in history in the next few hundred years. So 
it's exciting yeah. times ahead and it's really fascinating. This podcast episode, this is the defining moment. Yeah. <laughs> the collaboration. This, this, is, is, it. Is, it. this is the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also combined with the conversation we had on your podcast as well, which people right. need to go and check out. So we'll put the links in the show notes of this episode for people to check out. They can learn more about Dark Mode and the great work you're doing there. I love how you both think in terms of this space in a really important area around cybersecurity so people can check out the things that you do professionally there as well through your different organizations. I can't wait to keep the conversation going with you on this topic as well. So I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Ben and Gabe, thank you so much for joining. Amazing, Pete. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Likewise. Thanks, Pete. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy you a coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit talkinghealthtech.com.